My guest today on Front Row Rugby is 1995 Rugby World Cup winner and Springbok legend Robbie Brink. Robbie, welcome to Front Row Rugby. Morning, Peter. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the chat. As am I. Before we begin that chat, though, let's have a look at today's trivia question. In 2006, which team handed Jake White his first defeat on home soil as Springboks coach? If you know the answer to that question, you can put it in the comment section down below. We'll also find out if Robbie knows the answer to that, but we'll do that at the end of our conversation. Robbie, let's go back to 1995. That's our starting point. How exciting was it for you to be named in the Springbok World Cup squad? It was surreal, actually. I, I kind of, I figured I, I had a chance because I, I'd been playing reasonably well. Um, I think three or four games had been played against New South Wales, Transvaal, and I think there was a, a trial game at some point, and my performances were, were reasonably good. And I then got a call on on a Sunday morning from from Mornay Duplessis, and kind of I, I wasn't sure whether it was the real thing or not. It, the whole thing felt surreal because when you've been dreaming about something for for twenty odd years, and then all of a sudden you get this call and you're told that you've made the squad, you you have to pinch yourself. Um, and yeah, I was I was ecstatic, of course. Um, and as you say, your form had been very good. Uh, it would have still been, I think, the Super Ten at that stage, uh, if as I recall. Um, but even so, were you actually expecting to make the squad? I suppose you you hope um, you don't you don't expect to make it because I mean you you know in South Africa we've got we've got hundreds of good players at that level, and there's so many good players that that a, that a coach can obviously choose. Um, so, so I knew I had an outside chance. I, I kind of also figured, look, I was young and and I'd seen with friends of mine over the last two or three years who played really well and were kind of, you know, getting exposure who didn't who didn't quite get selected for for whatever reason. I, I kind of figured, look, if I kept playing well, it was it was it was almost my opportunity, and I had this moment in my rugby career that I had to I had to make work. And and fortunately, as I said earlier on, they were like three or four or five games where I kept on putting in good performances. And I kind of, because of that, I think my timing was good um, and, and I got selected. Hey, if you're enjoying this video, why not hit the like button? Talk to me about that debut of yours against Romania. It was magnificent. Obviously, I was fortunate in that the debut was at Newlands and, and that was my home ground. So that made the whole occasion even more memorable for me. Um, we started really well. Um, and then we kind of, we fell back a bit and we obviously, we won it reasonably comfortably in the end. I, I remember certain plays in the match itself. I remember one particular play, I think it was probably in the first 10 minutes where we had a line out, Henny LaRue passed it to, to, to myself. I passed it to Ruben Kruger. He made a break. I was then fortunately on his shoulder. He passed it back to me. Then I made a break and then, then I threw like a big, a big pass of my head um, to James Small, and I think he was j just held up. But I mean, from a rugby perspective, that that was probably my the best sort of thirty seconds of rugby I've I've ever been part of. Um, and then I, I keep tell I keep telling my kids that I that I scored a try, and if there was TMO back in 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 the in the dark ages of of nineteen ninety five, they would have awarded it. But yeah, they they're not convinced, my kids. No, they think I'm I'm making that up. But um, I'll continue to work on that.
we're going to have to get some kind of video manipulation or something uh, to, to, to try and convince them, I think. So, Robbie, I actually had Adrian Richter on this show uh, a few episodes ago, and I'll put a link to that interview here. Um, and he commented on how difficult it was to combat the Romanians because they don't really play structured rugby. What would you say about that? Yeah, and they, and they were very athletic, actually. I, I remember they had a number eight that, that won a whole lot of their line-out balls. So, so I suppose it was the one, the one phase of, of the match that we thought we would dominate and we didn't dominate. And, and, they, and, they, and they kicked intelligently. I, I remember that much. And, again, they played well. I mean, it was the second game of the World Cup and they were up for it. So, look, it, 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 yeah, I suppose people expected us to to give them 30, 40 points. Um, but no, that, that unfortunately didn't transpire. I must admit, I mean, I was just a little boy at the time, but I was definitely one of those people that expected a big win on the day and was, I was quite surprised by the scoreline. But then after that, uh, we moved on to play against Canada. Uh, you stayed in the side for that match. How did the Canadians compare to the Romanians, in your opinion? Unlike nowadays, the Canadians in, 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 in that era of, of, of rugby were, were particularly strong. Um, and for some reason... Uh, I suppose Kitch and, and the coaching panel decided that that we should kick a whole lot, and and that's what we did. Um, and what they did was they just kept running it back at us. They 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 hardly kicked kicked at all. So I mean we ended up. I mean I don't stats were were sort of not really that that good in those days. But I mean we made so so many tackles during the, that game, and they they wouldn't have made that many. So they kept coming at us, and we kept defending, and we kept kicking the ball back at them. So I suppose in hindsight, I'm not sure that. That was the correct tactic. Um, but yeah, I suppose, you know, in the end we won. And and the other concerning thing with that match was obviously there was that that power failure um prior prior to to the start of the game. And had the game not gone ahead, uh, I speak under correction, I don't I don't think we would have then um gone through to make make the quarters because there was some some configuration that I, I don't quite remember. But I mean we were that was also part of the kind of the nervousness. Towards, towards, you know, eventually playing the game. We, I suppose, we were so lucky, fortunate to play the game and then, and then, and then win it. Absolutely. Um, in fact, now that you were talking about it, I, I've actually just remembered, um, you know, sort of going to school on the Monday morning after the test and, you know, the sort of kids on the playground talking about uh, the Springbok defence in that match against Canada and re referring to it as a brick wall. And actually, that's what we saw later in the tournament, especially against France and, and New Zealand. Uh, but I sort of digress now. Um, just on that Canada match, obviously, the match is well remembered for the brawl that broke out. What do you remember about that? The brawl was obviously unfortunate, um, and and the the sort of the knock on effect wasn't so much during the course of the the brawl. It was what happened during the week thereafter. The, the brawl itself, a, a good friend of mine was playing in the game, um, Chris and Stuart, and he, he he actually had a a fantastic a fantastic game, and I don't like to admit it, but he did. But anyway, he made a break, and there were a few passes, and the ball was bundled up into touch, I think, on our twenty two, and then there was a big. A big brawl and and look the whole thing was 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 unfortunate. But then, you know, I think Dalton was sent off, and then Peter Hendricks got a note the following day under his door to say that he, the the chances were that he'd also be kind of expelled from the tournament. So so the week after that was was difficult because I, I remember Francois was a bit dejected because of how things had had happened during the match and and more post the match, you know. But luckily, we, we pulled it all together, and 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 the following game against Samoa, the guys the guys actually played really well. I do I do 
I feel sorry for James. I feel sorry for Peter Hendricks that they that they were they were asked to leave the tournament. Look, like for me, I don't like brawls. You know, we play we play sport. We're not there to fight. So the whole thing didn't sit well with me. How disappointed were you not to get another opportunity to play during that World Cup? You know, I mean, prior to the tournament, I mean, sure, we trained exceptionally hard, but Kitch also planned meticulously, and he he told everyone, look, there's there's a green team and there's a gold team. So the gold team, you're going to play these games, and the green team, you're going to play those games. So so the chances of you going from, I think it was the gold team into the green team, were were, were a were unlikely unless you were absolutely exceptional. Um, so I, I don't think I was that disappointed. I think, you know, after each and every game, Kitch, Kitch gave us a scorecard, and he, I think he gave me two sevens out of ten, which I, which I tried to debate with him, but uh, he, he said no, it's seven out of ten. So I, I look, my my performances weren't exceptional enough to 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 merit getting moved up into the green team. I suppose it is. Still, 7 out of 10 is certainly not bad, especially for your very first two matches playing for the Springboks. So let's move on to the final. Obviously, you weren't in the team that day, uh, but you were part of the squad. What do you remember about that day? You know, it wasn't just the day. It was everything kind of building up to the day. Um, and, and, and people often talk about, you know, how unifying sport is, and, and it is. But it's particularly unifying if you're winning and you're doing well. So... Um, the day itself was fantastic. I mean, Mandela made an appearance in the change room and said hello to everyone, the reserves, even the non-playing reserves. So there was kind of like it was a calmness as well. It was, uh, there was a, an inner confidence. The guys knew that they had been playing well, that they trained exceptionally hard prior to the tournament. I don't think there was another team that was as fit as the Springboks. So when you add when you add all those components together, you've got a nation, you're playing at home. It was, listen, it was electric. I don't, I don't think there'll ever be another World Cup like that where all those different components came into the equation, you know, a, a new democracy, a, a charismatic leader, um, a sport that, that is very much part of our heritage. Um, it, was, it was magic. It certainly was. So how disappointed were you then in the aftermath not to get another chance for the Springboks? Obviously, when you're playing, you, you, you're desperate to try and make the Springbok squad again or come close to making it again. And again, as I said previously, there are just so so many good rugby players in South Africa that it's a very difficult thing to do. Um so yeah, I was disappointed. But if I look if I look back on it now, I also had a lot of injuries after 95. I mean that, that's no excuse. I probably just wasn't good enough, I suppose, if if I'm brutally honest. Um but if I look back on it now I'd those two games at that time were, I wouldn't swap them for 50 games, I don't think, um, because it was just it was so memorable and it was just a unique experience for, for not just myself, but for many other people. Robbie, you mentioned there that you wouldn't swap it for 50 games, and that's kind of where I want to go next, because as we know, many kids in South Africa grow up dreaming of playing for the Springboks, and I think that that dream pretty much equates to playing 50, 75, or 100 tests for the Springboks. They don't consider that it might only be one season, or it might only be one test, uh, or in some cases, it might only be 10 minutes. Um, in your case, it was only the two test matches. What would your advice be to those youngsters? You know, things have changed a lot since 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 I was a, a schoolboy or a university student. 
I, I think, you know, fundamentally you have to play sport for 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 a very simple reason. And that's to 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 meet to meet other people from different schools, from different walks of life, from different countries, and, and, and to make friends, you know. And then if you are talented, you, you need to make sure that you make the most of your talent. So 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 play your schoolboy rugby and then play your provincial rugby and and keep at it. But I mean if you follow the process and the fundamentals of playing sport for the right reasons, um I think that'll that'll take you far. I like the system the way it is now with, with kids and schoolboy rugby and and under twenty rugby and 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 going on from there, not so much, but but I, for me, I don't like the system that's in place now. I don't think that kids that are playing rugby at school should should be approached by other schools and there should be all these bursaries and all those those things because I, I fundamentally I don't think that's why you play school sport and that's why you play rugby, cricket, hockey or water polo sport. I don't believe in it. I know that that schoolboy rugby and 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 performing and winning is 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 important, but I just think that it's become so hectically almost professional at such a young age that it's taking what I referred to earlier on, which is why you play sport, to meet friends and make friends from other schools. I'm not comfortable with it, and I understand why people are doing it and why bursaries are being offered and all this sort of good thing, because people want to win and winners have more fun, and I get all of that. But it's a it's a very difficult uh, dynamic at the moment for me to 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 support. I mean, yeah, that's my opinion. Robbie, something that our viewers love to ask, uh, or at least I ask on their behalf: Who was your toughest yeah. opponent? You know, it's it's maybe not necessarily one individual. It's 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 probably a, a loose trio that you're playing against, um, and, and it also depends on how their type five have performed, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or are performing in the game. But but the loose trio that that I, I struggled against was like in '99, the Stormers had a semi final at home against Otago, and they had Isatola Marker, Cronfield, and Tane Randall as their back three, and they the, they kind of beat us to everything. You know, they were they were just that split second ahead of us, and and they were superb. Um, but they also they worked very well together. You know, Marker was a big, strong number eight who could take the ball up. Cronfield was instinctive and was Kind of always one yard ahead of, I think it was Chris Skinstead and myself or, or Anton Leonard. And then Tane Randall was a good rugby player, of course. Um, and then also rugby players that I thought were instinctively very good. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know, they're probably not as well known as some of the big names, but I think the Fiery brothers were, were good. They always had a, a feel for where the ball was going and how to get there before us. And yeah. So those are the guys I, I suppose I struggled against. Sure thing. Now, uh, Robbie, another question for you. What are you up to these days? So I'm busy enough. Um, <clears throat> my wife's Irish, and we've we've got a you know three three young enough kids. Um, so we we we've, we're full on, and they're very active academically and and on the sports field. So so we we're blessed in that respect. So um, I do that. So, so family life is very very busy for us. And then I'm also a um, I'm a residential property developer in in Cape Town, so I do projects on the Atlantic Seaboard in in Camps Bay, and I do projects in 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 the City Bowl in Higgerville or on of Tom Bruce Cliff. So, so that keeps me very busy. Um, you know, we've got we've got you know we've got challenges in the in in the in the property sector. Um, you know, we can deal with most of them, but um, we also face different kind of geopolitical issues. 
that affect the market. But at, at the moment, Cape Town is strong. It's it's a great city. Um, there's a new mayor, and he's, he's doing he's doing great things. And um, I think some of the other cities are, are, are struggling a little bit. So what we see is, you, you know, families wanting to move down to 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 the Western Cape and Cape Town. So yeah, I think I think I'm a, I'm in the right place for now. So yeah, that's what I that's what I do outside of rugby. And then obviously I love I love sports. So I follow my my kids. They play uh, hockey, tennis, um, and and yeah, that keeps me busy. They don't play Gaelic football by any chance, do they? If we, it's a good question. If, if we lived in permanent yards, the two of them would have a go at that as well. They're just very keen, and they play. They play. And again, I touch on what I said earlier on. They play. They, for me, we encourage them to play sport for, for, for the reasons I mentioned earlier on. And 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 they are they're, they're very good like that. You know, um, they've made friends across across the world actually. Um, and and long may that continue. Absolutely, I had to throw that in there uh, for 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 some fun. Okay, so Robbie, uh, as we um, begin the uh, the end of uh, the conversation, let's take a look at that trivia question again from earlier. In two thousand and six, which team handed Jake White his first defeat on home soil as Springboks coach? Do you know the answer, Robbie? Can you give me a clue? What month was it in? Oh, okay. So it would have been in the June Test matches, so before the Tri Nations. Yeah, I'm going to go with England. Oof, not a bad guess. The correct answer is France. Okay, France. Okay, right. Yeah, they 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 beat the box uh, 36-26 at Newlands of all places. Uh, uh, yeah, that that was back in 06. Robbie, thank you very much uh, for our conversation today. Uh, it really was a, a total, total pleasure uh, having you on Front Row Rugby. And hopefully we can have you on again in the future. Thank you, Peter. That is fantastic. And thanks for giving me the opportunity. Last time on Front Row Rugby, former Springbok prop Kurbis Fasahi was my guest. You can go and have a look at that video. It's appearing on the screen right now. Next time, we'll have former Springbok wing Jock Ulifir here. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed that video, why not spear tackle the like button? You can also subscribe and hit the notification bell so you don't miss any content from Front Row Rugby. See you next time.